When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Turn up your volume. volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire back to Lafleur. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> there is a bomb. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Aaron Arrow on this Tuesday, December 12th. It is two minutes past 10 p.m. Eastern, and it is the Sick Podcast. I'm Marinero. I'm Tony Marinero. I'm Marinero. You're watching live on YouTube, on Facebook, and on Twitter. We're going to have a good one. The Sick Podcast is brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, as well as La Beta TV, as well as Playground, where I was there earlier today with Agnello Cavallaro and Joey DiCaprio. Yes, we were there, so we can uh, talk about a little get-together that we're going to have on Saturday with our listeners, with our viewers, with people that want to meet us. So, folks, we have to, we're going to put things in perspective, okay? This is not a sports bar, okay? It's a casino, all right? So don't expect a sports bar um, environment or ambiance or that we're going to be sitting down and we're all going to be watching the game. The game is going to be on in the background. There will be a TV that will be close to me. There will be probably another TV a little bit further away that if you're probably standing, you can have a chance to take a look here or there. It's more of a, of a night where everyone's going to get together. We're going to meet. We're going to shake hands. We're going to give each other a hug. In some cases, we're even going to give each other a kiss. Why not? Why not? But if you're going to kiss me on the lips, there is a fee, by the way, because there's a fee. Uh, okay, all kidding aside, there's no fee. Um, instead of saying there's no kiss, there's no fee. But um, we're going to be able to put a face to a name. We've been wanting to get together with all of you. So for all of you who have been saying, when are we going to get together? 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 We're getting together this Saturday night. At playground in Ganawage. Have you ever been before? Get ready because you're probably not gonna, you're probably not expecting what you're gonna see. It's gone through a renovation. It's a little mini Vegas, which is gonna end up being and looking like 
a bigger Vegas at one point. They've completed phase one of their renovation project. I've been told that there's at least a second phase. Who knows? Maybe even a third. So this is just a paint the picture. You'll walk in. Uh, it won't be very long before you'll see me. You'll see Agnello. You'll see Sammy. You'll see Juliana. You'll see the entire Cavallaro family. And you're going to bump into everyone. People are going to be enjoying themselves. They're going to be playing slot machines. One of the beauties of Playground. Are you ready? You play the slot machines. You can play $2. You can play $1. You can play 50 cents. You can play 25 cents. If you're sitting down, you can order a drink. And they bring you the drink. They bring it to you. No charge. As long as you're sitting down at a slot machine or playing poker, the drinks are on the house. Not too shabby, eh? I'm going to be there at the very latest, very latest 6 p.m. So I'm going to be there, start, you know, as of 6 p.m., I'll be there. You might want to show up maybe even a little bit earlier, probably 5.45, because at 6 p.m., I might even do a pregame of sorts. It all depends on what kind of mood I'm in, but I might even go on live and do a pregame. But, you know, it's going to be pretty cool because uh, before the game is probably the best opportunity that we'll have to mingle some of you will be end up playing slots. Some of, them, some of you will end up probably end up playing poker. Some of you will be mingling. Some of you will be having a, a beverage while you're at the slot machine. Uh, some of you will walk around and take a look at the entertainment and all that stuff. So I'll be there. Um, I would say give or take at around 5.45 p.m. And it's my intention to stay there probably until uh, around 11.30, maybe midnight. And if I'm lucky... Maybe longer, maybe longer. The game will be on in the background. You'll always be able to come and check on what the score is and stuff like that. We're going to have a good time. Now, if only I can get the Snake and Grant McCagg over at Playground on Saturday night. Let's see what they have planned. They join us right now. Simo the Snake Boivere is a former Quebec Major Junior Hockey League scout. And Grant McCagg, of course, of recruits and recruits.ca. He's a former scout of the Montreal Canadiens and the Bob Ganey administration. And you can pick up his magazine, uh, a yearly subscription for less than $350 per month. If you want to go month by month, it'll cost you less than $50 a year. And you'll have full access to absolutely everything. Look how excited they both are to join me tonight. Look at them. Look how happy they are. <laughs> Hey, that's amazing. <laughs> hey, Snake. Hey. Hi, guys. Snake, what's going on? Uh, lots <laughs> of junior hockey coming up. Yeah. World Junior Championship. Yeah. You seem World very excited. World going on right now. Yeah. Hmm? Who's going to win gold? Who's going to win gold at the World Juniors? Pardon me? Who's going to win gold at the World Juniors? Uh, it's, it's a crapshoot, but we don't even have the final rosters yet. Yeah, I know that. Although Quentin, I don't understand why the U.S. team didn't take uh, Quentin Musty. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I was going to tell you. <laughs> I know that Quentin, yeah. Quentin Musty. Grant, tell them why they didn't take Quentin Musty. <laughs> um, because the Snake likes him so much. They, they're they vindictive like that. No, they. Uh, I think, uh, I think, well, the same reason they didn't take Hunter Burton. Rustowich, you know, you uh, you head to the uh, Canadian Junior Hockey League and leave their program, leave the you know, leave the U.S. to go play uh, junior hockey. It gets frowned upon. I mean, we saw it with Debrinkat in uh, 
scored 65 goals and didn't even get invited to a camp that year, you know, his last year at junior. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it has something to do with it. Grant, 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 are you trying to say that decision makers in sports can be vindictive? No, and you don't political. say. I, you don't yeah, say. I, I, I'm afraid so. Okay, but, guys, uh, listen. There are millions and millions and millions of people watching us right now on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. I'm exaggerating, oh. probably. There's about 37 people. But anyway, listen, there, it sounds better. There are millions and millions and millions of people who are watching, all right? And they're expecting some fireworks because I think they got three pretty opinionated people that are on the podcast right now. So without further ado, Snake <laughs> Boisvert, the guy I call Userpent. Are you ready for this? Are you ready? Let's go. Yes. On a Stanley I... Cup winning team, is Cole Caulfield on the first line? No. Graham McCagg, on a Stanley Cup winning team, is Cole Caulfield on the first line? Gee. Well, uh, what, as a... As an NHL rookie, he made it to the Stanley Cup Finals on the first line. So, I don't, you know, against a team that was what eighteen million over the cap. If they weren't eighteen million over the cap, do do they even beat the Habs? So, I think there's your answer right there, Tony's already proved that he could that he could play on a first line on a on a Stanley Cup finalist. That's pretty darn close. So. Serpente, stop laughing. He just punched you in the face three times. Punch back. Let's go. See, Snake, what do you got, Snake? What do you got? Look, <laughs> I don't I don't see the guy as, uh, you know, uh, an outstanding five-on-five -five player. I see him more as a specialist. Oh, He's a power play specialist. But you think, Michkov, specialist. you think Michkov is an outstanding five-on-five -five player, do you? Uh, I, I think he will be pretty good. Actually. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. you better watch a little closer. I don't, think, I don't think you've been watching too many games this year, Snake, if that's your opinion. But, uh, <laughs> no, I think Caulfield is, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I think he's a specialist. He's a guy that you need on your team, actually. Yeah. You need goal scorers because people Who, always or... complain they don't have goal scorers. But I don't <laughs> see this guy necessarily being matched against the, the constantly against the first line of other teams. Playing 22, 23 minutes a game. I just don't see it on a championship team. Grant, well, he's not going to be matched. To, he's, they're not sending him out there to to shut down the other team's top lines. They're sending him out there to score goals. And, yeah. uh, but then he has I mean, to it, you know, given, given first line, uh, you know, if he's playing with uh, Doc and Doc and Sofkowski, um develop like, we think they can. I think they can. Maybe Snake doesn't, but I do. Um, you know, he, there's uh, he's he's sheltered as far as uh, his size goes in that regard. The two of them are very good, already very good defensively. They're big. They're only going to get better defensively. I don't see why he couldn't be the 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 goal scorer on, on the on the wing with those two guys on on a uh, contender. We'll see though. I, I mean, that's you know you can. That's a who knows, Tony. Who knows what's going to happen? You know, I I can't say definitively that he will or definitively that he won't. I know you get more. I mean, that's what Anyella wants. You know, then uh, you see the headline and that you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I want says, it too. I want it too. Yeah, let's go. Mechanic says, you know. Yeah, yeah. Caulfield's going to be a hundred goal scorer. You know, like uh, yeah. Uh, Snake not tonight. Snake <laughs> is Caulfield elite in your opinion? You mean if I think he will become elite or if he's elite right now? 
Okay, so answer. Uh, well, he's a slumping hockey player right now. Yeah. But two weeks ago, he's also the same player who yeah. scored his first 60 goals in a Montreal Canadiens uniform mm -hmm. in a category of five other, four other players. He was top five in the amount of games that he did it in. And actually, if you search a little bit deeper, he's the youngest in the history of the Montreal Canadiens in terms of age is concerned to score those 60 goals. So, you know, that record, you got to be pretty elite to do that because you don't score 60 goals by fluke. You can score one by fluke, four, six, not 60. Montreal's never had first liners, though, right, Snake? My definition of elite <laughs> is very, very narrow. So that's why I don't include Cole Caulfield. Well, then you shouldn't include Matt, Matt Faye Michkov either, then. That's, and we'll get well, into that. We don't that. know yet because Michkov hasn't reached the NHL yet. And and Cole Caulfield's played how many NHL games? 151. Yeah. Well, that's Whoa. two seasons. So you can't you can't you can't project, player you can't, is... can't project Caulfield either, then if that's if you can't project Michkov, right? Well too early. It's too early for both, uh, right? That's 22 years he old. He hasn't even played uh, two full seasons. Yeah, I have a pretty good idea where this is going with this guy. And like I say, my definition okay. of his elite is maybe 20 players in the league. So obviously, he's not part of the top 20. Okay. You don't, you don't have to be a top 20 player in the league to play on the, uh, on the first line of a Stanley Cup winner. No. Matt, the three Matt, guys, well, the three guys Matt, that were on Vegas' first line last year, yeah. were they all top 20 players in the league? No. I would say no. No. Marcia is not a top 20 player in the league. As oh, a matter of fact, he's elite here. Marsh so in my book, is not elite, although he no. won the Prince Mike. No, but he was but he, elite. But he for played on the first years. line on a Stanley Cup winner. Yeah, he played on the first line on a Stanley Cup winner. My question to you was, uh, can Cole Caulfield play on the first line of a team that's going to win the Stanley Cup? You said no. Chris Kunitz has played on the first line of a team that won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, because he just fit a certain need. Well, correct. Yeah. Pascal Dupree has played on the first line yeah. of a team that won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yeah. Jonathan okay, let's rephrase, it. let's rephrase it. Can Cole Caulfield be at least your third best forward on a Stanley Cup winning team? My answer is no. Yeah, Jonathan I, Mar Jonathan I don't think was you can answer three. that question. I really I don't know how you can be so definitive about that snake. Yeah, because I don't like, I, maybe because, uh, I would say because, maybe, maybe because not. I, I think he, he plays in the periphery. I think oh. he has an elite shot. This is one thing that he has. He has an elite shot. But he plays on the periphery. He's uh, he, he doesn't win puck, puck battles. He's not great defensively, and and he's pretty invisible most of the games that that I see him. So if I would have told but you back in he April, out, he takes a good shot on goal. Yeah. So yeah, he has an elite quality, which is his shot. He's a very dangerous scorer. I like scorers. I think they are useful on the team. I hope but so. If you don't me, score, you don't win. Is not, doing well? This is not a a well-rounded elite player. If you see my point. I, under, I Listen, I understand your point, but uh, like Grant mentioned, one question was about elite, and another question was about, will Cole Caulfield be on the first line of a team that wins the Stanley Cup? And you said, absolutely not. Now, if I would have told you back in April that the Vegas Golden Knights are going to win the Stanley Cup, and the best of the best is going to be Jonathan Marchessault, you would have said what? 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look, the, the guy has proven over the years that he's he's a good hockey player, but I don't think I would have bet uh, a dime on him uh, winning the Conn Smythe Trophy. But, you know, look at the list of Conn Smythe Trophy winners. It's not always the best player I mean, or the perceived best player on a team that wins it is the guy who gets hot for a couple of months. So uh, that's my answer for much as so. All right. So, you know what? Uh, Cole, Cole Caulfield this year, I was looking at his stat, just looking at his stats. Uh, his, uh, I pay a lot of attention to the goals on ice that you, you know, per game. Yeah. Um, he's been on the ice for 0.56 goals against per game this year. Mm. Now, okay. That's elite. Believe it or not, he does is not on the ice for a lot of goals against, and he's played. He's matched up against other lines, other top lines. Uh, so, so why are the plays fifteen to twenty minutes? Just let me finish here. Yeah. Typically, someone that plays fifteen to twenty minutes against other teams' top lines, well over a goal a game that they're on the ice for against. Montreal is not exactly what are they bottom five in goals against or but so you can't say well it's because they're a great defensive team no it's not because they're a great defensive team i uh actually i've been quite impressed with caulfield's defense this year and he's still what 22 yeah 22 year old and played 150 nhl games and he's averaging 0.56 goals against a game against other teams top lines playing 18 minutes a game that's actually excellent so uh, I disagree that uh, he doesn't uh, – I think he's quite good in his own zone now, actually. He uh, he anticipates the puck, the play so well and steals a lot of pucks and gets uh, gets the puck out of the zone way more than you'd expect a 5-7, uh, typically a 5-7 forward to do. Snake. In fact, I think he's a lot better defensively than Jeff Skinner ever was, and I know – I know uh, Snake that that's your that's your boy that you know. Oh, well, Skinner is bad your Skinner is bad defensively. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, uh, I mean, that just as an, an example, you know. All right. But, okay. Uh, uh, so, uh, Snake, before you answer, we have a poll question up: Is Cole Caulfield a first liner on a Cup contender? Yes or no? It's on YouTube Live. Go out there and answer it. It's the Sick Podcast. All right. Okay. Um, cup contender or Cup winner? It started out with cup winner and yeah, let's it, you it toned is it down to cup contender. <laughs> no, 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 it's it's not me. I'm not putting the poll question. No, no, there. no, I know. I it's know. Blame yeah. Agnello Cavallaro, Master Control. But, Change that question right now. Is Cole Caulfield the first liner on a cup winner, not a cup contender? Because he already was a first liner on a cup contender. That happened a couple of years yeah. ago. That's not fair to Snake if you change the this you know the question after he already emphatically answered it. So yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. So, uh, Snake, let me ask you this. 21 goals Cole Caulfield's on pace for this season. Mm-hmm. He's on pace for 21 goals. How concerned are you, and why do you think this is? I think you will f- and I think you will finish with more than 21 goals. 
just because of the law of averages. And even if it doesn't, I, I, I think it's just like a season where, let's say, nothing goes in. I remember a year, maybe 10, 15 years ago, Martin Saint-Louis, he was yeah. playing well. He had a very bad season statistically. The year after, he won the scoring. Uh, he, he won the Arcross Trophy. So it happens sometimes. I, I think we need a little bit more of a, a, a sample. I think he will finish with more than 21 goals. But even if he doesn't, I think next year, in terms of goal scoring, he'll bounce back. Okay. Uh, everything that Marty St. Louis has been uh, talking about here over the last little while, um, that Caulfield, you know, he's working to be to make him a better defensive player. And by becoming a better defensive player, the opportunities will come. Grant, we've heard that before. He's not the first coach to talk this way. He won't be the last. Are you buying what he's selling? Yeah, well, like I, you know, I, I cited the stat there that he's been on the ice for 0.56 goals against a game, which I follow that stat pretty closely. That's uh, for anybody that plays more than 15 minutes a game. That's just it's 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 top top of the league. So um, I think you know uh, it's it's a part of his game that he'll always have to work. He'll always have to work on it because of his size and. Uh, I mean, uh, he's played 150 NHL games, and I only expect it to improve. Um, he's a very smart player. He anticipates the play very well, reads the play very well. You know, um, like that goal, that overtime goal that he scored against Toronto. Yeah. You know, he anticipated that so well, like, you know, and, and stole the puck and, and created, uh, you know, beat out the the... the that Stanley Cup contending uh, Maple Leafs, you know, who it was a big part of it, right? And that was as an NHL rookie. Goal scorers so, usually have a great sense of anticipation. Oh, for sure, yeah. for yeah. sure. But, I mean, it's not not just in the offensive zone. I've seen it. Uh, I've been impressed with his defense this year. I think it's improving. So when you're not scoring goals, it, it, it's good that that's coming along, right? I think do it you, is. Anyway. Do, you, do you find, having said that, having said that, and we can agree on all of his qualities, that he is trying really hard to get as many pucks at that net on the power play as possible, that sometimes he probably should be looking for another play, and some of his shots are actually missing the net, and they're losing possession on the power play. It's something that I've picked up. I don't know if you see the same thing. Maybe I'm yeah. just getting old. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're uh, um, for sure. I mean... And we discussed this before on here, Tony, the, the, the fact that he's coming back from shoulder surgery, yeah, I think has a, has a bit to do with why his goal scoring is down. His shot is just, I mean, it, it, his shot is such an important part of that goal scoring. Yeah. And even if it's off just 10%, mm -hmm. and it probably is because he's just not fully recovered, just like a defenseman or whatever, Your skating after major knee surgery takes takes a year to two years before it's if, you're. It's if Paul Coffey would have a knee surgery. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. It's, just, it's an important lever for a goal scorer, for a shooter, right? So yeah. I think uh, it, it's part of it. Uh, and uh, as I, I agree with Snake, where I think he'll finish with more than 21 goals this year and next year when hopefully he's fully recovered and shooting as crisply and as accurately 
and the release is as good as uh, we've seen in the past because it's just he's just not quite shooting as well this year. Is uh, not quite a, the same snap. Yeah, um, it might take a year, and then uh, next year you'll see that the totals go back up to the 30, 40 range. Hopefully, there's something that we haven't said. Kirby Doc's injury has impacted Caulfield's production because if Doc is in the lineup. Now, all of a sudden, the other team, all depending on who Doc's line mates are, let's just say Doc is playing with Anderson and Newhook, for example, uh, or, or Newhook and Slavkovsky, for example. Now, all of a sudden, maybe some of the better players are going up against Kirby Doc's line. Now, all of a sudden, Marty St. Louis can play matchups a little bit better. Now, he can probably get the Suzuki-Caulfield combination away from the top line instead of going up against the top line. Maybe get him away from the first duel of the defense, end up going up against the second duel. And then he can score more goals. If Doc was healthy, Doc's on the power play, and he's another player with a really good shot that the other team has to watch. And now all of a sudden, Caulfield can get open because if I'm an opponent and the Canadians have a power play, guess what? I'm <laughs> always going to Caulfield because I think the pass is going there. Whether it's Matheson, I think he's passing to Caulfield. Whether it's Suzuki, I think he's passing to Caulfield. Whether it's anybody on the ice, I think the play is set up so that the puck ends up on Cole Caulfield's stick because he's the best scorer on the team. I think yeah. that hurt. They got Monaghan sit standing beside the net. He gets the puck down low. What's he? Who's he look for? Caulfield, right? Yeah. Matheson gets it. Who's he look for? Caulfield. Suzuki. Once in a while, he'll snap it in the you know from his office there in the high yeah. right hand side, but invariably he's looking first of all. For Caulfield, and we've seen it with Slash so far that even when he should shoot, he's looking for Caulfield usually, right? So, a shout out to Accent Insurance Solutions. We're excited to welcome them as a new sponsor of the Sick Podcast. You know, all insurance isn't credited, uh, created equal, and you know where to find the right solution for you. Accent Insurance, Accent doesn't sell insurance, they shop insurance for you to find the right product. Right on the money, whatever your insurance needs, home, auto, or business. It's funny, when I saw Accent's phone number, I immediately thought of my buddy, Sergio Momesso, because their number is 514-363-3636. Give them a call, and I welcome them to the Sick Podcast, hopefully for a very, very long time. Snake, I started with you. I'm going back to you because you look like I don't know. I look. You looks like you're you're watching reruns of Blue Nuit first. Uh, are you what? What are you watching? Emmanuel Cat, Emmanuel Sank. What are you watching? Uh, Emmanuel Lantivierge. Yeah, uh, you never uh, auditioned for the role back in the day, did you? Or no? Uh, I was ten years old. No, that would have like, been illegal. Uh, that definitely would have been that. Okay, so let's get back on track here. Me and my mind. All right, let's go to <laughs> on a team that wins the Stanley Cup. Will Nick Suzuki center the number one line? Nope. Okay, you gotta give you gotta give me reasons why though. No, like what does conversation sound like with you and your girlfriend? No, As because I, I, I yes, I look, <laughs> no, I look at this guy, and to me, the a number one center on the on the elite team is someone that you you constantly see making plays. This guy very often disappears for periods of time. To me, he's a number two guy, can make 65, 70 points, which is great, but he's not a top player 
He's not a top center on uh, a cup contender or cup winning team. Grant? Ask, uh, Guy Boucher, ask Guy Boucher that. Well, at least Guy would, you know, uh, you, you were one, one tier up from what Guy said. He said third liner, right, on a contender when he was on. Uh, I, I, It's a good question. I've been starting to wonder that. I, you know, um, I'm interested in seeing what happens next year when Doc is back because I think ultimately – And I mean, you know, Doc was a top three pick and Suzuki wasn't, right? So yeah. if Doc ends up being, you know, first line center and Suzuki's the second, that it's not like that goes against the grain, right? It's, no, no. Doc it's was drafted scouts, number three and Suzuki was drafted 13th. But right. I mean, well, yeah. it's what the scouts projected in their draft year. So the scouts would be right, you know? So, um, I mean... He was the number one center. I'll, I'll go back to it and uh, make a snake laugh again. Uh, he was the number one center on the team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals. So, uh, I mean, yeah, that was with Price and Nets and, you know, whatever. Was, was, he, was he or was Phil Deneau considering the ice time that Deneau's line was getting? Oh, well, yeah. Uh Good question. Yeah, I think the nose, I, I think it the was nose a one A, I guess. Yeah, you know? yeah. I think the nose line probably got more yeah. ice time, but I look, I could be wrong. It's going back a couple of years, of yeah. course. No, that that's that's fair. But yeah. uh again, he was like what twenty one, I think, or twenty or twenty one. So um he looked pretty good in that run, you know. He's uh, and I saw it at the, in the OHL. Uh he he carried teams on his back to championship, you know to the finals and to the championship. Um, just absolutely spectacular at playoff time. He always has been, you mm -hmm. know. Yeah, I agree that this year at times, are, you know, he's been, he's he's disappeared at times. Mm -hmm. But uh, you get him into a big game, uh, I've rarely seen him disappear. Now, does that mean in the in the future that he, uh, you know, that, that he's as good as he's always been at playoff time? Because if you go back and look at his stats, in junior it was just a, he he stuck he, he stepped up another step mm -hmm. when they when the games got out of line it's one of the reasons why they gave him a c he's a big game big time big game player and when the games are important when you uh, uh you really need a goal he's uh, uh he bears down and and he's pretty he's uh he's a pretty special player uh, or he can be so um I think top two center on a contender. Ideally, he's your number two. Uh, you know, and if there is a guy better, then yeah, it's looking good for you being a contender. If uh, if the uh, you know Caulfield and Slavkowski and other guys work out as you hope. Snake is Kirby Doc then <laughs> a number one center on a cup winning team? It's hard to tell yet. Yeah, very hard to tell because the guy has been injured. We have a very small small sample, so I think we need another year, like a full year, of seeing Doc to really say this is the guy who can maintain, uh, who can sustain. You know what we've seen for 
a, a couple of games this year and a little bit last year before we can call him a number one center on a, on an on an elite team. You're pretty funny, Snake. Kirby Doc's been in the league longer than Cole Caulfield. Mm -hmm. I think he's older than Cole Caulfield. And he's played more games than Cole Caulfield. For him, it's too early to tell. But Caulfield, you've completely dismissed it. Well, because... You like big players and you don't like small players. Yeah. All right, okay. No, I got it. no, no, it's not the size. It's the fact that with Doc, he was traded. He, he was... And his, his learning curve was kind of like always trending up. And then it was interrupted by the injury. Whereas Cole Caulfield is the type of player that what you see is what you get. It was kind of predictable from his time in in the US NTDP at Wisconsin. Well, I, 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 I don't think so because I, I don't think so. What we saw from Cole Caulfield under Dominic Ducharme, I hope is not what we're gonna get. And he proved that it wasn't after that. Yeah, that was a few, yeah. That that, that that's when he was a rookie. But what I'm saying is that with Kirby Doc. It's 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 too it's too hard to tell. The guy has been injured so much, and he was traded. So it's not the same learning curve as Cole Caulfield. And come playoff time, I'll I'll you know, and I'll grant this to to Snake, and he's not coming right out and saying it. But ideally, you want you know, you want six four guys on your first line, and not necessarily five seven guys. Um, I mean, you you got to wear down. You, you know, you want to wear down the opponents. And certainly that's, an, again, another yeah. reason why Cole Caulfield was picked 15th overall. And uh, there's exceptions. Picked third overall. There's so, exceptions. There's some small guys that actually course. rose to the occasion in the playoffs. Matt Snazlin is one. Marty St. Louis is another. Jonathan Marshall is another. Aaron yeah, Fleury is another. But, there's I mean, you can guys. only name a handful, you know, and you can name 100 big guys that excelled at playoff time. Exactly. Keith Primo for a two-year stretch was arguably the best player in the entire playoffs, you know. And he'd never been the best player in the league uh, during the regular season. But come playoff time, the uh, big guys, uh, they they tend to, uh, you know, step up because I think of, uh, I it, think it gets of a, bigger and tougher. Grant, I think of a big centerman. And if memory serves me well, because this is going back, poof, give or take about 23 years. But if memory serves me well, there was a six foot five centerman that I don't think when all is said and done is going to be better or was better or going to be better than Kirby Doc. But he had the luxury of playing with two very special defensemen on the best defensive team in hockey with one of the best goalies in the history of the game. It's a Jeopardy question. Who am I? You talking the Devils or? It's a Jeopardy question. Who am I? Six foot, six foot five. Holik? Uh, 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 Jason Arnett? Oh, he wasn't six five, but yeah, okay. Yeah, six yeah. four or six five. Six I mean, Jason four, Arnett yeah. was, he was six a tower. Three, six four, something like that. Okay, yeah. I thought maybe you meant Bobby Holik, but that's same same team, right? Uh, you could have yes, said one or yes. the other. Bobby Olick was on the crash line, though, with uh, Randy McKay and with. Yeah, uh, well, they were a big with, part. Uh, he was Peluso. a big part of them winning. You know, as me, big as uh, Arnott, you could argue, but yeah. Let me okay. let me check uh, Arnott's hockey DB. Jason oh, Arnott. They, they always add an inch. Yeah, you that's 
I guess, uh, six foot five, two hundred and twenty pounds. Drafted yeah. by the Edmonton Oilers in nineteen ninety three, first round, <clears throat> seventh overall. Jason Arnett had a season of sixty eight points with the Oilers. He had one of seventy two points with Nashville, one of seventy six points with Dallas. But other than that, for the most part, most of his uh, seasons he was in the fifties. Yeah, that's you know. He centered a number one. Now, mind you, was he not on a line with uh, Patrick Ilyash and Peter Sikora? Yeah, that's a yeah. good example, Tony, for sure. Yeah, pretty yeah. good line. Pretty good line. True. But, Snake, will you say that, in your opinion, uh, even though the sample size has been small and because there's been a transition and going from one to a team to another and changing systems and changing cultures and changing coaches and being injured in between – would you say that, in your opinion, Kirby Doc's ceiling to be a number one centerman on a cup-winning team is higher than Nick Suzuki's? Yes. So if you're Marty St. Louis next season, when Kirby Doc comes back from that ACL and he's healthy, if the theory of a number one line is putting your three best players together, and let's just say those wingers are Caulfield and Slavkowski, you would put them with Doc instead of Suzuki. Yeah. Would you do that? Ideally, ideally, the Canadians win a lottery and they get a guy like Celebrini to be the the number one center. That's ideal. Number one center. Yeah. Eventually. Yeah. And uh, Doc can be on the wing. Yeah. In the top six. Mm. That's an an option. Mm. By the way, Tony, I look back at that year. the playoffs, um, the year they went and they had Holik and Arnett. Yeah. Uh, Holik had 16 points. Arnett had 15. So, wow. I mean, one or the yeah. other, you know, they were both pivotal parts. But to, to have that one-two punch, the 6-4 plus centerman, yeah. Yeah. you know, back-to-back, it was a big part, uh, you know, obviously along with the defense and the goaltending uh, for sure, you know. Remember Bobby Olick at one point was making $9.6 million or something like that near the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Was it with the Rangers or something? Probably uh, because of that year, that playoff year. All right. He just said, the snake just said something. The guy they call the snake, I call him, who's that bend? He just <laughs> said, Macklin Celebrini is the number one centerman in the National Hockey League. Any, um, any debate on that? No, no. He's, uh, he's, he's, he could be pretty special. Uh, is, and is, all around too, like Crosby light, that type of, uh, leadership defense. Uh, he's going to be really good defensively, just no holes in his game. And I mean, we've seen the skill, um, he's gonna, he's gonna score a lot of points and just, uh, help you win hockey games. I think, uh, without a doubt, if Montreal ended up drafting Celebrini that, uh, eventually he'd be their number one center. Is he, is he a slam dunk at number one? Like, look, I, I know that there's still, you know, four or five very important months to go, but if everyone plays to their ability between now and the end of their respective seasons, come draft day, is Macklin Celebrini the consensus number one pick? Yes. Yeah, I why would say Snake? so. Yeah. Snake, who's number two, and why is he ahead of that number two? Okay, well, for now, I have Cole Iserman at number two, but Cole Iserman is, is, is a goal scorer which is very important, but 
he, he, he doesn't have a well-rounded game like Celebrini does. And Celebrini is also a great offensive player. And he plays center. And he's already in college at age 17. Actually, just uh, for the record, I'm going to go see him in Vermont. He's playing in, with Boston University in Burlington in January. I'm going to be there. So, you know, maybe on a podcast in January, we can discuss him in further detail. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see how Celebrini will not become the best player in this draft. I was thinking of going to watch Lane Hudson in Vermont in January on the 19th and or the 20th. They both play, they play on the same. That'll be, that's, that's the game he's talking about. Yeah, 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 that's yeah, 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 that's talking about. yeah. 19th and the 20th. Yeah. So which yeah. one of you, we're going together or what? What's the story here? Well, I already got my tickets, but we, we, oh, we you can, already got the tickets. Yeah. We can meet for a beer. I have, I booked my hotel room. I got my tickets. I mean, we All can right. meet for a beer uh, in between periods. Although I'm not sure they serve beer at the Hold arena in Burlington. Hold on a sec. Who are you going with? My girlfriend. Oh, you're going with your girlfriend because I, I, I you know, you, you booked your hotel room. I was already going to, uh, I was going to stay, I'm going to stay with you or what? What's the story here? Okay. You going to, you family going? friendly shows. I'm not going to discuss the possibility. So you're going down to watch Celebrini and I'd be going down to watch Lane Hudson. No, I'm going to watch both actually. So, so let me ask you yeah. a question, Snake. Yeah. Is Lane Hudson making Celebrini look better or is Celebrini making Lane Hudson look better? Neither. They're both very good. Lane Hudson was pretty good last year without Celebrini, and uh, Celebrini was really good last year without Cole Hudson. So, yeah. or Lane Hudson, I mean, <laughs> whoops, little Freudian Cole slip. Hudson there. is the, the brother, probably. Yeah, uh, that's right. First round pick this year, I guess. Yeah. The way it's shaping up, he might be, because yeah. uh, I think, uh, you know, it, it's the uh, Hudson factor, I call it, because uh, teams are going to look and say, well, we should have picked this. Hudson in the first round. Yeah. Maybe we better not make that mistake twice. And uh, I think it's going to help uh, Cole uh, with his draft stock when it's all said and done. Grant, I have an idea. If you want, I can take the Vespa down to Vermont and you can, you can, yeah, you, you can hop a ride with me. It would, it would, it'll be the, uh, the next taping of, uh, of uh, Dumb and Dumber. Remember when uh, you got on the scooter and Dumb and Dumber? You never saw that, right? Oh, that, yeah. That be, oh, yeah. Yeah. We can, we can. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. Hey, um, okay, where am I going with this now? Um, Snake, Lake Huts, Lane Hudson. Can he be the next Quinn Hughes? No. Why not? The skating. Is he a better stick handler than uh, Quinn Hughes? I think he's... Close enough, but I I think it's the skating that really really sets them apart. Grant, can Lane Hudson be the next Quinn Hughes? Uh, I agree with Snake. There, it, it's uh, there's a, there's a difference in the mobility. Yeah, I think he can be an offensive. I think he can run a power play mm -hmm. in the NHL and put up a lot of points. But will he be? A, he's not as big or as mobile as Makar. So I don't see him ever being as good defensively, you know, an all-around defenseman that Makar is. Mm -hmm. I mean, Makar's a special skater, he, you know, special mobility, quickness. Um, Cole or Cole, Lane um, is is shifty, like his shiftiness is just out of this world. But straight ahead speed, 
he doesn't he doesn't accelerate like like uh Makar and uh you know his mobility is not in the same league and he's smaller so uh you know I I don't think Lane Hudson's going to be Lane Hudson you know I don't think there's anyone in the league that you can really compare him to uh um uh, he'll be uh he may come close to getting as many points as Makar on a, in a good year uh-huh. now and then, but as far as being the all-around uh, uh, first line up against uh, other teams' top lines, shutting them down, uh, it's a, it, that's 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 asking a lot of a five-nine kid. No matter how special uh, uh, a player, you know, his brain's obviously great and his shiftiness is great. And his puck skills are great, but uh, I don't think that the size skating will uh, will keep him a notch below Makar level, which is still, uh, you know, I'll take that every day from a sixty fourth overall pick or whatever it was that they that they took him. Guys, what's the number one reason why the Montreal Canadiens aren't scoring goals? Nick Suzuki's on pace for 64 points. We talked about it. Monahan's on pace for 47 points. Caulfield's on pace for 21 goals. Gallagher's on pace for 15 goals. Um, you know, they. what's the number one reason that this team doesn't score a lot of goals? Not enough talent. Yeah. They're still, a, they're still lacking enough. Like, with DACA, the lineup, it just... They've been trying to... Pl- plug in other guys and they just don't have a top six that compete with, with the, the top teams, top six. It's just not there. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we've had a lot of people, you've seen them audition a lot of guys. And uh, I mean, when you're trotting out a power play for most of the season so far with a, with a player that hasn't scored a goal all year, you're lacking talent, uh, you know, skill depth. <laughs> and, and that uh, I mean, if if they had Doc in the lineup, I think that they'd be right in the playoff picture right now because I think that's the piece that they're missing in the mm-hmm. top six. Um, but there just isn't enough depth, talent depth, right now um, to compete with the with the elite teams. I don't think and Snake. score. Score goals at that level. Snake Marty St. Louis today at practice was, you know what? It's all about getting to the inside. It's all about, you know, uh, getting to the net. Um, I guess the message is that his players don't go to the net as much as they should. They don't. Suzuki doesn't go to the net. Caulfield doesn't go to the net. You have to go to the net in this day and age. I mean, this is not the 70s anymore, you know, with. uh, Goalies playing with small pads and uh, barely covering angles. I mean, you really got to earn uh, your goals in the NHL now. And yeah, too too much uh, work on uh, uh, the periphery, in my opinion. Not for everyone to go to the net. You know, going to the net hurts. You got to yeah. pay the price. Yeah. And that's what I liked about Jeff Skinner. He goes to the net. Yeah, and now we're back to Jeff Skinner. There you where, go. Where is Jeff Skinner coming from all of a sudden? Well, because oh, we he's in, uh, at the beginning he, of the show. That's all. Yeah, he scores eight goals a year versus the Canadians, and then he scores like I don't know seven more goals versus the rest of the league. 
I think yeah, he's. I, I, I think he's the top goal scorer from the 2010 draft in terms of goal scoring. I, I know that. I know that Snake was always uh, proud of uh, that he that he liked Skinner more than most NHL teams did, and I know for a lot of years that he talked about that and and was proud that he had him ranked high. And uh, and, and and I mean, uh, what he's got 300, almost 400 NHL goals, almost played a thousand games, so. You know, the interesting thing with, with Skinner, though, is that he's never played a playoff game. He's almost That's played a thousand games. He also has, although I'm very happy for him, he has a pretty bad contract. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. it doesn't hurt the Sabres right now because they're okay no. cap-wise. But, but unfortunately uh, for him. Nine like, million a year for Skinner. I mean, he has a he has a pretty good agent, I think. Unfortunately yeah. for Skinner, he's been in Buffalo for the last six years, and they've been in the cellar for like the last eight or nine or ten or whatever it is. Yeah. I, I can't understand Carolina not making the playoffs, though, when Skinner was there. That's a little bit weird. But I have to tell you, I have to tell you, uh, would all you know, and here I could pump Snake's tires on this one. If he was the president of the Skinner fan club back in 2010, if you would have told me that Jeff Skinner, when his career was going to be said and done, was going to score more goals than Taylor Hall and Tyler Sagan, I would have never believed you. Yeah. Yeah. I would have never believed you. Yeah. Carl, I did a bunch of research for tonight because I thought I thought you were going to uh, talk about Michkov and Reinbacher, to be honest with you, because it's been a hot topic on oh, the, the show's not and, over yet. And that, well, and, uh, you know, there's a I have a couple of interesting stats that, uh, you know, pertain to Skinner, for instance, that, and how good he was in his rookie year, you know, uh, yeah. like. The year after he was drafted, he scored 31 goals in the NHL. Correct. Right? Yep. Mitchkov, who turns 19 shortly, who's older yep. Than, yep. than Skinner was, he's on pace to score 21 in the KHL this year. Um, safe to say, if you wanted to compare one to the other, which one's more impressive? I would go with Skinner scoring 31 goals at 18 in the NHL. And at the time, people thought, wow, this kid's going to, you know, he could be a 50-goal scorer. He's going to be he's going to be fantastic. Snake, yeah. uh, you know, was in his glory and uh, well-being because he freaking, he, lo he looked like he was going to be a superstar. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, he never made the playoffs. You know, 900, and he's, he's had six 30-goal seasons, hit 40 once. That's yeah. not bad, but... Well, it's very you know, good. not an elite it's playmaker. And then Eli Tol Tolvanen's another guy. Yeah. In his in his year after he was drafted, same age as, as Michkov. He got drafted by Nashville, what, the 30th or 31st or something yeah. like that? And then ended up putting him on waivers and Seattle picked him up? He scored 25 goals in 60 games. Now, if you go to uh, the projection for uh, Michkov there this year, he's on pace for 21 in 59 games. And uh, he also plays more. His ice time's higher than than Michkov, or than than Tolvin and got. It, it works out in his last twenty games. Tony Michkov has scored six goals, averaging eighteen minutes a game. It works out even. Everything works out evenly to one goal every sixty minutes. He's been on the ice for one or four goals every sixty minutes. He's he's. Averaging less than a hit every 60 minutes. Well, I don't expect he's got hit. 20 giveaways every 60 minutes and he's scoring one goal. But everybody talks, oh, well, 
here's his highlights. He's a superstar. He's he's got a higher points per game than Ovechkin did, even though the league is completely watered down now. Like Jordan Wheels fourth in in KHL scoring this year. You know, it's yeah. not a it's not uh there's no guarantee like Eli Tolvanen was on a better pace to scoring. He was scoring 1.47 goals per 60 minutes. Michkov in his last 20s averaging one. So he's not scoring any better than Tolvanen did. But I remember if you remember, people were saying if you know doing redrafts and everything that Tolvanen yeah. top five. I if you if you did the draft today because he scored because he scored 25 goals in the in the KHL at the same age as Michkov at a better pace. Well, he's scored 46 goals the last five years in the NHL. It's There's no guarantee that you, you have a good year at 19 in the KHL that you're going to be an NHL superstar. But I hear you. That's all you, that's all you read and all you hear on Twitter today, Reinbacher again, you know, um, trending all day because, Oh, well, why didn't they take Michkov? Because look at his points per, you know, compared to what Ovenchkin got 30 years ago when it wasn't even the KHL, you know. Uh, it, uh, in the last eight years, I look back at the top 20 scorers. There's two guys that uh -huh. were top 20 scorers that are playing in the NHL. Kaprizov and Dadanov. Uh, I think there's a kid in San Jose too. But three guys. Uh, you know, it's th this thought, this notion that if you have, if you produce in the KHL at 19 years of age, that that guarantees that you're going to be an NHL superstar. I mean, we have to wait and see. We you're really you're right about that, but I, I could probably tell you that if Michkov was playing in the National Hockey League, surrounded with better players than he is in the KHL, he'd probably be putting up better stats than he is in the KHL. It's possible. No, too. I really don't think so. Because I've watched his games, and he's not as for his size, he's not an elite skater. He's just not. He's 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 shifty, but his speed is for his size. Again, when you're projected to the NHL, is okay, but he doesn't overpower people. He doesn't. He's not going to be fat, like not going to beat NHL defensemen to the outside. Uh, it's maybe once in a while. It's it's going to be rare. He's very smart. He's very opportunistic. He's going to get points in the NHL. Uh -huh. But this thought that he's going to be a franchise, uh, I keep saying transformational. You see that? Well, yeah. Grant, the, I'll tell you why. 20 games, this 19-year-old this in the KHL has, yeah. has transformed his team into a three goal. They've won three games out of their last 20. Grant, I'll how tell many, you why. How many franchise players can you uh -huh. recall? It, the year after they were drafted, played on a team that went three, sixteen and one. Like he, he's good, he's going to get points in the NHL. But this thought that that he's uh, he's he's going to be a franchise player, I just I really don't see it, Tony. And I've watched probably twenty of his games this year. Snake. I, I don't see Mitchkov as a franchise player. I see Mitchkov as a 40 to 50 goal scorer on a line with Cutter Gautier, another one of my favorites. That's all I'm see, I see. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, 
Jeff Skinner scored 30 goals in the NHL at, at 18, and he scored 40 once. Uh, playing with some playing with Eric Stahl, and I'm I think Mitch Cobb is a more skilled player than Jeff Skinner. Yeah, well, perhaps, but you certainly, you know, when you look at the stats, uh, you know, it, I look at uh, Noah Dobson is a good, I think, a good comparable for uh, Reinbacher, like the let's do the the you know. Yeah. After after their their season after they were drafted, Jeff Skinner thirty one goals. Um, Dobson went back to junior had like fifty points. At the time, would you have said, "Well, would you pick Dobson over Skinner?" Probably not. You'd say, "Oh, I'd pick Skinner ahead of because he had thirty one goals in the NHL." Wow, at eighteen, how good's he going to be? I see it as a, say, a similar thing with Reinbacher, who I a 6'3 right defenseman, two-way potential, raw like Dobson was uh, when he was drafted. A lot of similarities there. And I also see Skinner and Michkov, one-way guys to a certain extent, uh, more shooter, more scorers than, than playmakers, I think. Um, yeah, I agree that Michkov has better has more upside than Skinner did, but uh, to be a consistent 40, 50 goal scorer at the NHL level, I'm not seeing it. I, I'd be surprised, uh, but I, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to say definitively that, that he won't be a 50 goal scorer, but um, I, I think, I think that people need to lower their expectations a bit and we're seeing it a bit too, they're putting a little too much stock into his stats and not actually watching the player. And I've had a pretty good look at him this year and I like him and I agree. He's going to get opportunity in Philly. He'll be on the first line. Cutter Goche's. I mean, he's getting outpointed by the Smith and those guys uh, who are freshmen and got, you know, he hasn't take necessarily taken that next step that I, thought he would offensively this year so far. So I, uh, while I still think he's one of the top five players from last year's draft class, uh-huh. I don't know that it was a, that's not saying a heck of a lot necessarily because it wasn't a great draft class, you know? So you, your I, question, well, your, I, question I like was, your question was, he's won three of 20 games. How many well, superstars? No, the, how the many? last 20 game, the last 20 games that, Michkov played in with Sochi. Yeah. They won three games, lost sixteen, and tied one. Not the not the he hasn't played in the last four games, Tony. Or three anyway. He's been out of the lineup. But his and jo- I went jo- through Instat and I went through every game. Yeah. He, uh, he, Joe Sackick was a superstar. He played on a Quebec Nordiques team that won 12 games. Yeah. There's one. Michkov's no Joe Sackick. Come on, Tony. I, I didn't say he was He's not you a six foot center. You that, asked that, the, you asked yeah. the question and I answered it. That's all. I mean, I, I didn't say he was. No, he was drafted fifteenth overall too, and you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who he yeah. went on is one of the greatest players to ever play the game, Joe Sackick. One of the greatest players to ever play the game. Yeah, when he was nineteen years old, he wasn't on a team that won. You know, I think he was still in junior at eighteen the year after he was drafted, wasn't he? Uh, Joe go back Sackick. Because he went back to junior hockey at age 18. That's right. 
to his request. He went back to junior hockey. Then Swift he started with the Nordiques at age 19. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, there's always exceptions to, you know, I'm just saying th th this guy that's supposed to be transformational, he's not making his team his, his team better, you know. I'll tell you but why. They won, you know, three, they won three Grant, of their last 20 that he played in. So. Yeah, so Grant, great points. And and you yeah. talked about um, and it's good. There's some clarity there, and there's 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 serious data there. But you said a lot of people are talking about Michkov, and a lot of people are talking about Michkov. A lot of people. I think a lot of people are talking about Michkov for a couple of reasons. And yes, maybe you're right, and he's not going to end up being what people think he's going to end up being. <laughs> I think it's going to be pretty tough for actually for him to meet those expectations. But a lot of people are talking about Michkov because everyone's happy with what the Canadians have stockpiled on the fence. They're stacked. And yes, there was an opening at right defense for sure. But they have a ton of defensemen. And I think most Canadians fans think they're missing a creative player at the forward position. And maybe Michkov won't put up 40 in the NHL. and Maybe he won't put up 100 points. But you see some creativity there that he can definitely help a power play that has been lethargic for over a decade. Tony, do you ever play chess? No, I, I, have, I, I have. I play checkers. Okay, because it sounds like you're you're playing checkers there. Okay. Well, can you not take? Like it doesn't have to be black and white. Well, yeah. you know, can you not trade your access, excess defenseman to get? Of course you that can. scoring piece. Of course you can. Well, that's you know why did uh, why did the Nashville Predators draft Seth Jones fourth overall when they had Weber, they had Josie, they had Ellis, they had because they thought he was the best player. And what did they do two years later yeah. when they needed that a first line centerman? That was the they traded him for Ryan Johansson. Yeah. So Montreal is going to trade. They already traded one. For Doc, that, yeah, I'd say that worked out pretty well. Yeah, it did. Well, the only thing is you got you got to at least your... one more guy that's that, that were you you know, and it's always guy that you. Well, I hate that you have to get rid of him, but you have to trade those guys. It's guys that other teams want, right? The Canadians are going to trade a hell of a good young defenseman or two in the next year or two to pick up to pick up, to fill in those spots in the top six. I really think that they will. Yeah, it, you know, they could have taken the chance on the, on the Russian kid, and, I, and I've explained many reasons why I think they didn't. There, there's less risk with, with Reinbacher. Uh, they think that Reinbacher is going to help them win playoff games, and they think that, you know, one, of, one or two of these other young defensemen that they have or or and or veterans will be dealt to help them get that get the that other piece in the top six that I think we all agree at least one more piece that they need in the top six. You know, in addition to this draft, I think they're going to get another decent, a pretty high pick, and uh, I'd be surprised if they don't go forward this year. Um, but I also think that they'll be trading. They'll be trading at least a couple defensemen for uh, to, to try to get another scorer or two. Snake, final word. Will Michkov, in your opinion, 
be a star in the National Hockey League? Will he be a playmaker? Will he be a goal scorer? Will he be a point getter? Will he be able to live up to the expectations? And what do you say to everything that Grant brought to the table? Because he brought a lot of ammunition to the table tonight. Mm -hmm. I, I told you a few minutes ago, I see a 40 to 50 goal scorer on the first line in Philadelphia. It's a perfect fit for him. They have some big guys. They have some playmakers. And he's going to be the, 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 the missing piece for them. He's going to be a very, very good complement to what they have and what they're building right now. So I think it's a perfect fit for him to succeed. I mean, I don't think Michkov could have had 40 to 50 goals on every team in the NHL. But I think in Philly, it's one of the teams where he will thrive. I don't think they have great young defensemen. You need somebody to get him the puck. Well, well who's the other first line guy that's going to feed him? Like, unless you think Cutter Goche is just going to be like an absolute superstar. Like, what's what, I, I, what are I, the I, defensemen I, and the other winger that that are going to help him become a 40, 50 goal scorer? Because Cutter Goche is not going to do it by himself. I love look, Cutter Goche. Don't know but, what the lines are going to look like in three years. I mean, where is Farabee going to play? Where is, Couture, is Couturier still going to be uh, around, you know, and healthy? I mean, uh, Gauthier well, should well, be Sean Couturier is not going to be centering a number one line in Philadelphia no. in three years' time. You no, can forget about knows? that. So, yeah. We'll, we'll no, see no, no, no. Never mind who knows. Six. It won't happen. I think lots of things will happen in Philly within the next three years, so it's very hard to tell exactly who he's going to play with. But I think uh, based on what they're building right now, I, I think it's a great fit for him because he'll have the opportunity. And uh, he's going to be surrounded by, uh, you know, uh, bigger players. And, you know, because you can't have too many small players on the team. If you have one or two, that's fine. Yeah, you, you see, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I don't think yeah. Philly's going to be a great fit for Michkov. I really don't. Oh, I think he will. I really don't. If you would tell me that uh, Michkov would fit into the Los Angeles Kings this year, I would say, yeah, I could see a really good fit there. Yeah. Because you have abundance of centermen that he can play with. A lot of 200-foot guys that'll be able to compensate for his defensive deficiencies. The coach might even give him a little bit of a carte blanche and say, you know what? Okay, I'll live and die with your game. You can stay up because I have a bunch of responsible guys that'll be coming back. Maybe, just maybe, they'll give him a little bit of of, of leeway, the, the way the Canadians gave Riche leeway for a couple of years in which he scored 50. But I'm going to tell you this. I, I, I don't see it in Philadelphia with Michkov. I don't see the fit, really. I don't. Well, opportunity. I, do. I, I agree with the part about he'll get opportunity, but I don't see where they've got the pieces that are going to make him into a 50-goal scorer. They don't have the power play quarterback. They don't have – I mean, I, I like Goche, but who's the other – you're going to need a 50-assist guy on the other side, on the wing, to for him to be a 50-goal scorer. Um, That's three years on the road. I think it's very hard to project. Well, I mean, Montreal, Montreal, could, Montreal could have the guys for Caulfield three years down the road. He, what's the difference? Well, the difference, have a different team. I, I see Mitchkov as a better player than Caulfield because he, he creates well, plays, creates we'll plays. Caulfield, I don't see him create chances. Really? Caulfield waits for a pass to one time the shot. That's pretty much it. I, I can't agree with you there. When I see Mitchkov, I see a creative guy. I see a guy spinning around with the puck looking for someone. And I see Caulfield just standing there waiting to do the one-timer. That's all. Yeah, well, I see a lot of creativity in, in Caulfield. I don't. 
and also that's that's the beauty of sport i love this guys we've gone i i I could stay all night, eh? But go ahead. Quick, Grant. quick question for: Do yeah. you think that Michkov can be a first line player on a Stanley Cup winner? Yes. You asked it. You, Tony asked it for. Uh, yes. Even though you have no idea what Philly, other than Cutter Goche, might be is, and they have they don't have the defense. Oh, I don't know if Philly's going to win. So, so I don't think Philly's going to have a good. Sounds, team. That sounds like you think that he's going to be a franchise player then, because no. Nope. No, well, I just, they don't even. Doesn't even matter who who else they have. I, no, he's no, gonna, he's going to be on the first line of a Stanley Cup winner. Doesn't I mean don't know if Philly is going to have a good team because you know, I don't know how Briere is going to build this team. So I, I can't answer for. You don't Philly. know how Montreal is going to build this me, team. Either. If you're asking me if Mitchkov can be a first line player on a Stanley Cup winning team, my answer is yes because he's going to be a player that you're always going to have in your face. You're going to watch the game on TV, and you're going to see Mitchkov doing this, Mitchkov doing that. Yeah, the Stanley Cup winning team doesn't have to be... You're going to see Mitchkov invisible in the playoffs. That's what I think you're going to see. The Stanley Cup uh, winning team doesn't have to be the Philadelphia Flyers, right? They, you know, He might end up getting traded to another team, might acquire him as what they believe could be the missing piece to a Stanley Cup. For example, the Canadians might acquire Mitchkov for Reinbacher. That's good. Thank That's you. Good. Hey, That's, hey, just yeah. just so we end with a, a bang, okay, Grant? Because we've gone over time, and gentlemen, you know how much I really appreciate your time. So I thank you very much for this. This has been this has been fun tonight. It really has. Um, Snake, Thanks, Snake, following Caden yeah. uh, Primo's forty-six save performance yeah. last yeah. week on Saturday in Buffalo, you say yeah. what? You say what, Snake? We keep him now. Keep him, yeah. HL goalie. <laughs> He's stubborn. We gotta say that. <laughs> uh, snake, you're opinionated. I love it. So am I. Just yep. when I thought I was out, he pulls me <laughs> back in. Uh, snake. Yeah. Primo's here to stay. They can trade Jake Allen whenever they want. They can trade him tomorrow. They can trade him next week. They can trade him at the deadline. Primo is here to stay. Well, if if he is, it's a very good strategy to increase your odds of getting Macklin Celebrini. (laughs) There you go. Hey, there's a good chance that I'll see you in, uh, in Vermont, maybe on the 19th or 20th of January. I hope so. All right. Uh, Tony, you told I, me I, you weren't going. You told I, me yeah, you weren't going, and now you, that, he says he's going, and then now you say you're going. That, but that, you know what? Could you imagine spending a Saturday night in Vermont with the snake? No, I well, can't. We'll, we'll have to, we'll have to see. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually I'm actually going to be going. Um, I'm going to be going to Europe during the holidays, and so I want to let everyone know that um, I'm going to be um, I'm going to go spend some time with my son. I want to watch a couple of his games. So uh, in January, the Sick Podcast for a couple of weeks, I'm going to be actually bringing you the Sick Podcast um, from Portugal, and I'll be doing it there. Obviously, when the Canadians play their games, there's going to be, I think, four games in the first uh, week or two of January uh, during the weeknights. I will not be doing those shows because by the time those games finished at 10 p.m., it's going to be like 3 o'clock in the morning in Portugal, so I won't be doing those. It'll likely be Matt O'Han and or Shane Gomo. But anyway, there's a heads up. So when I get back, uh, I'll get back before the 19th or 20th. We'll see. Maybe. Just maybe. Guys, 
So much fun. Thank you very much. Snake, take out your hand like this. Put, put the camera lower unless you're hiding something underneath there. Oh, I'm okay. not hiding okay. anything. Stick out, stick, out your, stick out your hand, Snake. Snake, stick out your hand. Just keep it there. Grant, yeah. stick out your hand. All right. The other hand or whatever. Okay. Shake hands with Snake. Go. Shake. All right. All right. Friends forever. Oh, always. And we're For the sure. three best friends that anyone can have. We're the three best friends. You guys, by the way, you guys are my wolf pack. We're only missing one. Agnello is the missing one. Huh? The wolf pack, the hangover. We have to take a trip to Bangkok one day. Gentlemen, have a great night. Thank you very much. It's been a lot of fun. Bye, guys. There you have it. Grant McCag of Recruits right. and Recruits.ca. You can subscribe to his publication of course for less than 350 per month it's less than 50 dollars a year and you get so much content and and it's and and scouting reports and articles it's unbelievable it's an unbelievable bang for your buck of course he is the co-host of the sick draft cast recruits podcast with shane gomo you check it out and simon the snake boivere is a former quebec major junior hockey league scout they call him the snake i call him Marinero, the sick podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, of course. Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. My boys, Mike Cinquino, Sean Gerard, yes, and even David Grassi. La Bitta TV, brewed in Quebec, winner of a dozen international awards. La Bitta TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TV, embrace your true nature. Are you ready to win? A million at Playground. Early entries daily and return every Sunday for a shot at the half million dollar a week grand prize and one million dollars at the grand finale. Playground can make your dreams come true. Visit playground.ca. And once again, we will be at Playground. This Saturday night, I should be there, give or take, at around 5.45. Who knows? I might even go live at 6 p.m. So if you want to meet us there, once again, the Canadians game will be on in the background. They'll have a TV next to me. There'll probably be a TV next to you at some point or somewhere in the area. Um, and there, you're going to be surrounded by slot machines. You're going to be surrounded by some music, some great ambiance. It's going to be an opportunity for us to give you the tour of the brand new, renovated, revamped, absolutely beautiful casino that is Playground in Ganawage. And all of you who are on YouTube Live right now that have been part of this community, this sick community, this sick army, and you've been chatting and you've been chatting back and forth and back and forth for a year or two years or maybe even three years now, and you'd like to put a face to a name this is going to be your opportunity. And hopefully even Stefan comes down from Quebec Cité and we even see La Belle Jose. That would be nice. We'll see you at Playground on Saturday. Between now and then, though, the Sick Podcast will be back. We'll be back tomorrow night, same time, same place. It's the Canadians versus the Pittsburgh Penguins and Sid the Kid. And we'll be right on right after the game. And joining me tomorrow night will be TSN's Director of Scouting, Craig Button. If you like the podcast tonight, like it, share it with your friends, comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. Leave us a five-star review on Apple. It's our way of feeling the love. I think this podcast is um, often imitated, never duplicated. And for that reason alone, I think we deserve five stars. I hope you agree. I love you all. I love our sponsors. I love you. Thank you for watching. We're back tomorrow night. I can't wait because when I wake up in the morning, I whistle. Why? 
because I love doing the sick podcast. For Yellow and Sammy and Master Control, they're Cavallaro. I'm Marinaro and Mositumo. Uzerpend. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.